and welcome back to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals he should have seen and then we talk about them. Gee whiz, it's episode 16! And we are watching The Wiz today. Yes, we are. Are you excited? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> you could try and sound more enthusiastic. I think this is one where it. I feel it could go either way already. Mm-hmm. Like, I could enjoy it, or I, I might not. Yeah, it's it, a Marmite movie. Exactly. Like, I... I, I kind of get the sense of when you tell me what we're going to watch, I might be really excited or I'm kind of meh. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything is going to be like Hamilton again, though. However, it's not just Hamilton that I've been excited to watch. Okay. Like, Hamilton, obviously, really excited to watch. And if you haven't already, you can check out our episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. Mm-hmm. and Google Podcasts, where we cover Hamilton, because I had a great time. Yeah. But there are other shows like Phantom. I was excited to watch Phantom. I knew it would be a marathon, but I was excited. Yeah. I was excited to watch The Producers. I was excited about Mamma Mia. You weren't excited about Annie, but you enjoyed Annie. That's exactly what I was about to say. There are obviously the odd occasion where I'm not going into it hopeful. Mm-hmm. But That's where I feel I'm at with the Wiz. Okay. So, we are watching the 1978 movie version of The Wiz. There has recently been a The Wiz Live version. Okay. In the same strain as Peter Pan and Hairspray and Sound of Music. Yes. We're not watching that version. It's not awful, but I have a sort of love-hate relationship with these live for TV musicals. They can go either way. Mm-hmm. I liked the hairspray that we watched because I thought there was some nice casting yeah. and the set pieces worked well, but the Grease live that I tried to watch just because I wanted to get a good feeling of love. Very cool. I wasn't a fan of that production as a whole. I like the sets from that one. Yeah. But not so much the cast or the acting but with well, hairspray didn't they cast Carly Rae Jepsen and then realised Frenchie has no Frenchie song doesn't have a song yeah so they wrote her song with Hairspray my issue was they did the movie the Hairspray the musical has a bunch of different songs in it and it has a whole like section set in the prison and it's really really different yeah and they didn't bother doing any of that so that like that's my issue is that if you're going to say it's hairspray the musical live on tv hairspray the film live yeah the problem is you get into high school musical the musical the series territory (laughs) with all best name (laughs) names speaking of names lovely tangent when The Wiz was released as a musical, it was called The Wiz, the Super Soul Musical Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Bit of a maffle. Bit of a maffle. So I assumed the film came first no. and then like Broadway was like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll have that. Mm-hmm. So it was actually a show first. Yeah. So the show opened in 1974 and the movie came out in 1978. Okay. So one of those ones that again got picked up very, very quickly after it was released to be made into a film. But I think given 
its status given what it's doing as the reimagining of a retelling mm-hmm. like Hamilton has popularized recently yeah it was going to get snapped up very quickly because yeah you've got a show here that caters to a different demographic than other shows might yeah and it, this is a very early example of Broadway's immediate acceptance of casts with all black actors. Yeah. Because at this point, really, what do you have that's doing that? It This was almost a gimmick in that they were like, look, our show, it is a sole musical with an all black cast. No one else is doing this. Come and see how we do this. But by Especially, starting as a gimmick became revolutionary. Yeah, but especially because it was The Wizard of Oz. Mm. Everybody knows the story of The Wizard of Oz in some form. Yeah. Whether you were read the book as a child or you saw the uh, Judy Garland one or... And you said Dorothy Garland. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> or you saw the stage musical of The Wizard of Oz or Wicked, like, although Wicked obviously doesn't exist at this point. Or but you have Oz the Great and Powerful with James Franco. The worst film ever made, yeah. Is that the Mila Kunis one? Mila Kunis is Where it, she yes. cries and it like burns her. I think so. That's a really strange film. <laughs> it was uh, Sam Raimi who, who directed it. I don't know why you would make that film when Wicked exists. Because... Because that's what they were trying to make. It's Disney. Yeah. And know. Disney don't have the rights to Wicked. Disney wishes. No, I know, but it was Disney jumping on the Wicked bandwagon of show the origin of the Wicked Witch. Yeah. But not the way everyone else likes it. I think they were trying to preemptively make um, Maleficent. Yeah. Yeah. And they they didn't know how else to do it. But anyway, tangenting. So. Well, not really. It's talking about the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, a bit. So this version of the Wizard of Oz or the wonderful Wizard of Oz, they wanted to keep the sort of true childhood of Dorothy yeah they wanted her to be young because obviously in the movie you've got Judy Garland who is in her 20s but playing playing supposed supposedly playing a 14 year old she doesn't look it or act it at all with this they wanted their their main Dorothy to be young and the original Dorothy um on Broadway Stephanie Mills who went on to be an R&B singer she played Dorothy very, very young, which I think is important because Oz isn't Neverland. No, you don't, it's dangerous. Yeah, you don't get to be a child and have fun and then at the end of the day you go home. Oz is dangerous. There are real, actual dangers that Dorothy comes face to face with. Mm-hmm. And it's that perspective as a child is supposed to be scary. It's not supposed to be, oh, aren't we having a lovely time skipping through Oz? So that's what they were trying to do with this one. So is this essentially the same story of The Wizard of Oz? Mm -hmm. The same characters. Mm -hmm. So you've got Dorothy, you've got the Wicked Witch, you've got the Munchkins, you've got the, the Tin Man, Scarecrow, the Cowardly Lion, and you've got The Wizard of Oz. Yep. You've got the same characters, Mm -hmm. it's the same story, but we've obviously got maybe a different kind of Oz represented. Yeah, so the Oz in this version is 
more of an urban landscape than sort of you know this you've seen the the judy garland one yeah there's you know how everything's well, like I've, nice I've, fields and forests i've and seen things. bits i've not yeah. seen the whole thing okay so like yeah you get like really colorful fields yeah. obviously you go through the dark forests mm-hmm. with the lions and tigers and bears oh my yeah but it's essentially quite colorful and then you've got like really the like, emerald city especially like really beautiful like emeralds mm-hmm. so with this one it's still colorful and vibrant but in a different way it's not natural colors it's you're never gonna get the like soft palette that you have in the Wizard of Oz this is the harsh reality of a even though she is in Oz and this is like the dreamscape place it's still like New York I was gonna say so because it's urban is it's quite like Detroit or Chicago or New York type landscapes Mm -hmm. Like big skyscrapers, maybe. Do you get like dingy alleyways and graffiti and that kind of thing? Yes, and you'll be so interested to see how they do it because I specifically graffiti in this movie. Yeah. So nicely used. Okay. I love it. Also, this film traumatized me as a child. <laughs> is so... it the same songs but restyled, or is it completely new songs? It's all completely new songs. There are still, obviously, singing about the same things, like... So we've got off to see the wizard, but, like, in a different way. Yeah. Well, you know, you have the the munchkins telling Dorothy, you need to go and see the wizard, he's the one that can help you with this. Follow this yellow brick road. Yeah. So there's that song, just it's not follow the yellow brick road, you know? So... We have the opening of the musical Off-Broadway in Baltimore in 1974, moved onto Broadway in 75. Yeah. And the producer, Ken Harper, heard such mixed reviews the day it opened on Broadway that he considered just closing it that night. Wow. Yeah. And 20th Century Fox gave him $100,000 to keep the show open. Because they'd already thought about turning into a film. They'd invested in it. Okay. They're the like, main backers of the musical. So they gave them an extra $100,000 for, like, keep it open. We've given you all this money so far. You're going to pay us back. And by the eighth week of its run, it was sold out for months in advance. So it's one of those kind of tales like, don't be too hasty. Mm-hmm. Give it time. Yeah. Basically. So it was a turnaround success, in most part due to 20th Century Fox backing them, but also a song from it called Ease On Down The Road got a single release yeah. and hit the Billboard Soul Charts. It was 19th on the charts. Cool. Just for a song from the musical, which That's is crazy. Cool. Yeah. Since it opened on Broadway, it had a 1976 US tour. It also opened in Australia. In 1976. In 84, it got a revival. Then it came here in 2000, which we didn't get it for a very long time. Especially considering, like, post-movie as well. Mm -hmm. And then 2006, it opened in San Diego. And there's been a couple of 
workshop revivals since then, but not really anything big. Which is interesting, considering how well this show did at the Tonys. Yeah? Yeah, so, 29th Tony Awards, it was nominated for eight categories, and it won seven. Wow. Yeah, which is, it was the biggest show nomination that year. Yeah. But it was up against Mac and Mabel, The Lieutenant, Shenandoah and Gypsy, but the Angela Lansbury revival, because this is sort of pre-revivals being in their own category. Yeah. But also, <laughs> you've got Bernadette Peters up for Mac and Mabel, and Angela Lansbury here for Gypsy. And Angela Lansbury actually performed that year at the Tonys for two different companies. She performed with Mame and Gypsy. The only one of those names that I've heard of other than The Wiz is Gypsy, which, you know, it's we fair. cover Gypsy, so you would hope I would recognise it. Yeah, I didn't really expect you to have heard of any of the other ones. That's another one I wasn't going into with, like, big expectations. I really enjoyed, like, similar to mm-hmm. Annie. I enjoyed it more than Annie, but yeah. didn't think much of going into it. Do you want to guess at what it won? Best New Musical. Yeah, Best Musical. Best Scene Design. No. It wasn't nominated for that, though, interestingly. Best Featured Actor. Yes. So, that's a super interesting category because there wasn't a nomination for Best Actor with The Wiz. Yeah. Because that arguably isn't a main male character. Well, even I, though it's called The Wiz. But I, well, The Wizard of Oz. If we're judging like we were The Wizard of Oz, he's essentially a cameo at the end. Yes. He's the He shows up twice, yeah. You've got the Cowardly Lion, mm-hmm. the Tin Man and the Scarecrow are the main actors. Yeah. Of the three of them, obviously the Scarecrow gets a bit more stage time because he's, he's the, first. the first one. So you've got three main actors there. Yep. Splitting, and they're all quite key to the story. Mm-hmm. You can't cut one and have it still work the same way. So, what all three of them nominated for um, best featured actor? No. Okay. Only the Cowardly Lion was nominated for featured actor. And he won. Yep. He won. He's called Ted Ross. He's also the Cowardly Lion in the film. Cool. Yeah. So that's going to be nice to Ted watch. Ross. Mm-hmm. Any relation to Diana Ross, who plays Dorothy? No. Okay. So we have Best Musical, Best Featured Actor. I don't think you're going to win Best Featured Actress because Angela Lansbury. No. Angela Lansbury was up for Best Actress. Okay. Featured Actress is like sub-character. Okay. So they did win Best Featured Actress for Dee Dee Bridgewater, who was Glinda. Then they got Best Direction of a Musical, Best Choreography, and Best Costume Design. But not Best Orchestration. Best Score. Yeah. Orchestration. It did get Best Score. I won Best Score. Yeah. Yeah. Did fairly, very well. But for Best, like, so the category at the time was called Best Performance by a Leading Actress in a Musical. Yeah. And Stephanie Mills wasn't even nominated. And that's Dorothy. Yeah. yeah. Probably though. But also she was up she would have been up against Angela Lansbury and Bernadette Peters. Yeah, and 
possibly quite young as well. Mm-hmm. Like, this is pre-Annie. Yeah. So maybe the precedent hasn't been set yet that younger performers can win. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know the history well enough. But yeah. you would think... The mindset might be we're not going to give it to a child. Yes, the child's great, but we're going to give it to people who've paid their dues. Yeah. Do you want to give it... Who do you think wins? Angela Lansbury or Bernadette Peters? I know you don't know Mac and Mabel, but just... I would say Angela Lansbury, yeah. because Gypsy's got such depth. Yeah, and she did win. Angela Lansbury's great. Mm-hmm. And we love her. So, in... 1975, Motown Productions buys the rights to make a movie. Even though 20th Century Fox were involved. Yeah. So the way that it worked at the time is because 20th Century Fox backed the musical, they had first rights on whether or not they wanted to make the film. And Motown Productions said to them, would you like to back us? In making this movie and 20th Century Fox were like no okay. <laughs> thank you we're not going to do that so Universal Studios took it instead. That's very weird. Yes especially because they they tend not to really have anything to do with each other you rarely hear of things like that. But 20th Century Fox had their hands in a lot of musicals which is why as well like a lot of them are on Disney Plus. Yes however think it was the connection to Motown Productions yeah. that they didn't really think working with this production company was going to be good for them. They probably just wanted to do it themselves yeah. and didn't want to be attached to anyone else. Mm-hmm. So, what do, you, do you know anything about Motown? No. Right, okay. So, Motown Productions is run by Barry Gordy, who is very, very famous in the like soul R&B Motown yeah. world. He was married to Diana Ross. At the time they made this? No. Okay. They were together from 1965 until 1971. Yeah. This movie came out in 1978. She got cast in 1977, by which point they'd been broken up for seven years. Yeah. So Barry Gordy, who's producing this, wanted Stephanie Mills to play Dorothy in the film. Because she'd already started her R&B career, she's been on Broadway, is a very successful actress, and he also wanted her to be young. He wanted young Dorothy. I was going to say, I, Diana Ross, I knew she was Dorothy, mm-hmm. but she wasn't sure of like, the timeline. Yeah, she's 33 in this Which film. is very old to be Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Stephanie Mills still looked... Like a child. She looked very, very young. I think by this point she was like 19 or 20, but she looks very, very young. And obviously on stage, you can play off actors as being a lot younger than they actually are. So in 1977, Diana Ross rings up Barry Gordy and says that she wants to be Dorothy because Dorothy is an ageless role. Anyone can play Dorothy. It doesn't matter how old she is. And she wants that part. And he says no, obviously, because he already has an actress in mind. He knows who he wants, and he knows he wants her to stay young. So Diana Ross went over his head to the executive producer, Robert Cohen, yeah, and said, 
if you cast me in this, I can get you Michael Jackson to play the Scarecrow. Is that who he plays? Yes. I put a question mark next to his name because it was either Scarecrow or Tin Man. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure. I don't see him as a cowardly lion. Yeah. So it was one of the others. But I thought probably Scarecrow because Scarecrow's in it more. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and Robert Cohen is like, yes, please and thank you. We will have Michael Jackson as a scarecrow because this is Michael Jackson in the prime of the Jackson Five. Like, so before he steps out of his own. Yeah, he hasn't done anything on his own yet. He's 19 in this movie. He'd have been a better Dorothy then. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so Cohen agreed. And then he... Which, let's be honest, of course you're going to agree, like as a bargaining tool. Like, oh, we'll have Diana Ross and Michael Jackson. Yes, please, we will make this movie. Yeah. And we'll like, make a lot of money off of it. That's crazy. I guess the closest comparison today is potentially give me this role and I'll get you Billy Eilish. Yeah, basically. Which, you know, I don't know how big she is, but I know my barometer is like kids we work with. Yeah. And they seem to really love her. So yeah. I'm down From with what kids. I know. Um, so Cohen then goes and convinces Gordy that they should do this. Was he receptive to that once he'd heard, like, Michael Jackson? He was receptive to it in that the executive producer for the movie he wants to make told him that they were doing it. Fair. Yeah. The director who they had hired at the time said he wouldn't work with Diana Ross, so Cohen <laughs> replaced him. Like... Not, he didn't, not for any, like... She, I've worked with her before and she's horrible kind of reason but he was like no this isn't my vision for this movie Yeah, she's supposed to be a child it's quite divisive casting mm -hmm. in the one hand you've got Diana Ross who's like yes please and thank you yeah but then you've also got everyone you know, and you've got the executive producers like yes yeah but then you've got producer and director who are like no and people are getting cut so that they can accommodate her just for the Michael Jackson factor. Yeah, basically. Blimey. 20th Century Fox passed on funding it. Yeah. They had refusal rights, I think it's called. So they, they used those and they said, we're not getting involved with this. They still backed the musical though. Yeah. And revivals of it, they were still backing those. But they didn't want to do the movie. I guess in that sense, they can still make money off the musical, and the musical musical might be more popular for a film. Yeah, maybe. And the musical will have longer-lasting money than a film. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because there's some soundtrack changes with this. Yeah. Because obviously it's a movie, they cut a bunch of the songs mm -hmm. just to shorten it, and they wanted it to be more streamlined I guess. So this is a shorter film than shorter musical? Yeah so the film's 133 minutes okay. which is a lot shorter than the musical. 130 minutes but that's still like two hours ten minutes like musicals are usually about two hours twenty two hours ten. Yeah so but that's about... that's about five songs that they cut like that's how they got it down they just cut a bunch of songs. Okay. Universal <laughs> were so excited to be doing this project with Motown Productions that they initially did not set a budget for the movie. Yeah. Wow. The budget ended up being $24 million, which is crazy. That's a lot yeah. in the 70s. Yeah. So we have... Diana Ross has said, if I'm in this movie, you can also have Michael Jackson, because they were friends. The Jackson Five left Motown in 1977. 
the year before this film came out, but uh, also the been... year that he was cast in this film. Yeah. So he apparently was an absolute champion to work on this film with. He was 19, never been in a movie before. He had to sit through quite a lot of prosthetic makeup mm-hmm. every day, a couple of hours worth of it, never complained, just sat there and let them do it. He went and took specialist dance lessons to be able to dance well for this movie, even though, like, he was already a dancer, right? The Jackson yes. 5 danced. Yeah. But he took ballet lessons and he went and took extra training to well, do this film. He probably was, was doing, learning to do dance that he wasn't already mm-hmm. doing. Yeah, but this was also the first time in his life that he lived away from his father. And him and his sister moved across the country to film this. So this film had a budget of $24 million. Yeah. Do you want to guess how much it made? I don't think it's going to make that much. It probably only makes like $10 million. Oh, it made $21 million. Okay. But it's still considered a box office flop. I think I've heard that. Yeah. Which is so surprising, considering it won four Oscars. Really? Yeah. Which, for a musical... At that time. Yeah. Because we talked about this. I've, I've given up asking how movie adaptations fare with Oscars because, like, right? Les not Mis talking about. seems to be the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. So, like, I didn't bother asking with Annie. I didn't bother with asking anything else because why would you? There's no point. No. Like, so you're saying in, like, 1979 at the Oscars, mm-hmm. a musical won four. Yeah, it won Best Art Direction, Best Costume, Best Score, and Best Cinematography. That's insane. Yeah. Best Cinematography, that's surprising. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the one that I'm the most shocked by. Two, I don't know what it was up against. I didn't check. Yeah. I know you like it when uh, I do. I'm not, I didn't check. To have won Best Cinematography at the Oscars on a musical movie is crazy. Yeah. Because, like, nowadays, musicals don't get anything at all. The last thing that I think did well as a musical was Star is Born. Yeah. I haven't seen it. But that won a lot, I think. Yeah. What would it have been before that? Lame is. Yeah. That's years. That's 2013. That's quite a lot of musical movies between those two. There's an alternate reality where... Cats mm-hmm. released with the butthole cup, yeah, and won all the Oscars. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, so but they were so pushing for that being Oscar film. Like, yeah, that's why they wrote that stupid extra song for it. But it was going to be like, and I think, I think the response critically always meant it was never going to. No. It never was. Cats is a really weird musical. At some point, we're going to watch the actual stage musical of Cats because I have that. But it's very strange. Doesn't really have a plot. I mean, there is a plot, but it's sort of you yeah. have to dig to find it. It it's never going to be a wide reception musical. No. But I love it. So and I love this. Before we skip off to see the wizards. Do you think there's going to be any big changes in plot between this version and the actual Wizard of Oz? I would hope so. Yeah. But I, I'm not banking on it. Like, I feel like we're still going to have 
Galinda the Good versus. I guess she's not Alphaba. No, she's she has a, she has witch. a different name. But she's just a wicked witch. I don't really think we're going to be like changing much of it. Yeah, there's only so far you can go with the Wizard of Oz. Exactly. So, I reckon it's going to kind of be beat for beat the same, but in that different genre and that soul style. Mm-hmm. I can't see them changing much about it. Like the only thing I could see them changing is like the fact that maybe the Wizard of Oz or the Wiz is a villain. Yeah. I can't see them changing more than that. Yeah. I'm ready to be surprised and ready to be like, oh, they changed this. Yeah. Okay, well, in that case... We're off to see the wizard. The wonderful wizard of Oz. He's not the wizard, he's the whiz. We're off to see the whiz. Yeah. So, we will be back when we're back, when we watch the movie. We're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> or New York. Come on and is on down, is on down the road. Is on down, is on down the road. Don't you carry nothing that might be a load? Is on down. Is on down the road. And we are back. Yes, I have clicked my heels three times and I have magicked myself back home. Excellent. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Did you enjoy this film? I think The Wiz has potential mm-hmm. to be something I can enjoy. I think this comes down to casting. And the casting in this film is not good. Specifically, Dorothy. Right, okay. So I think everyone else is pretty good. Yes, but I think when you're supposed to view it through Dorothy's eyes, Mm -hmm. and there's no sense of wonder or excitement or anything, like, everything falls flat. Yeah. And there's a lot of great things about this take. You can see why it got Oscars for cinematography. Mm-hmm. The sets are beautiful, the costumes are beautiful. Yeah. This is an Oz that should inspire wonder and awe, but it just doesn't because... Yeah, it, there's something about Diana Ross's performance in this where she kind of seems to not understand that Dorothy can enjoy Oz without it removing her want to go home. Yeah. Like, you're allowed, you can be on your way, on this journey, trying to get home, that's the end goal, Mm. but you can enjoy yourself on the way. She makes friends, like, she's supposed to be enjoying it. The only good thing about Diana Ross's casting is that it brings Michael Jackson. Yeah. That's it. Honestly, whatever her reasons for wanting to be on this, Mm -hmm. it shouldn't shouldn't have been done. They've compromised and made a subpar film just to get Michael Jackson yeah, Somebody well, should have been brave enough just to say, no, thank you, because she's she's not Dorothy, and it does ruin everything. Well, they were, because John Badham, who yeah. was the original director, was brave enough to say, no, I don't want Diana Ross, and he was promptly fired. Yes, but I mean, like, somebody from an executive standpoint. Yeah. Well, same thing, like, Barry Gordy tried, 
Well, yeah, but of course they're going to look at him as being biased because of the whole, you know, relationship thing. I suppose. She's not good. No. Like, and it, it ruined it for me. Oh, that's a shame. You've seen clips of the, the boys live. The girl that's cast as Dorothy in that, I don't know what her name is. She's a very good actress. Her singing voice is very strange, but she she's a very good actress. She looked much better. Yeah, she, she looks like fit, she's having fun. Yeah, she fit this world better. Mm-hmm. Dorothy should be younger. Mm-hmm. Diana Ross does not look younger. She's supposed to be 24. Honestly, she looks like she's in her 40s. Yeah, which is a shame because Diana Ross is 33. I know, but she well, she certainly doesn't look 24. No. Have her be Glinda. Uh, yeah. Have her do that role. Have her have her do that as a cameo. Mm-hmm. Like she'd have been much better suited to that. That's it. That's the only role she should be anywhere near. Yeah. Anyway, starting from the start. Because well, obviously, where else yeah. would you start? Very good place to start. I completely agree with you, by the way, that her casting is the biggest mistake in this movie. It's awful. She she's not a actor. And it's such a shame because I love Diana Ross. Like her singing is amazing. Mm-hmm. However, Don't get me wrong, she can sing beautifully, but she's singing like a this is adult a woman. concert. Yeah, she's not singing like this is musical theatre, mm-hmm. and that's that's so important. Yeah, you know, you're not just singing because you're singing to a sold out concert of people. You're singing as if you're telling stories. Yeah. And you get no sense of story from her. Yes. So, jumping for the start, the, the feeling we get of Dorothy when she's at home with her family, with Auntie Anne and Uncle Henry, they're at Thanksgiving dinner and every, all the family's around and Dorothy's taking any excuse to be away from it. Yeah, she looks sad and obviously family events are hard when you're single. And... But she comes across as being so whiny. Oh, yeah, like, I would reckon... If I was part of that family, I'd be like, what's her problem? Why is she not sitting and talking yeah, with us? Especially because you have Auntie M's daughter who shows up with the baby. Yeah. That's her cousin. Yeah. She comes in with a new baby and it's clearly like a new baby. Yeah. And she's not even she's not interested about that. She's and she sings Can I Go On? Yeah. And basically the premise of that song is I'm lonely. I wish, I wish people noticed me. Well, maybe if she stayed and tried to have a conversation with yeah. my family. This is it. Well, that and Auntie M is like introducing her to guys. But here's it. I can imagine that if you have like a 12-year-old Dorothy or a teenage Dorothy, mm-hmm. there's the element of like jealousy because like, why aren't you paying me any attention? Yes. If you had 14-year-old Dorothy here, her older, she lives with her aunt and uncle anyway. Yeah. So you already understand that she doesn't have her immediate family with yeah. her. And her older cousin has just come in with her newborn baby and all the fuss is going there. Especially if she's spent ages making this Thanksgiving dinner and nobody's said anything to her. They're just going straight to the baby. Yeah, because she's the one decorating that like amazing looking cake. Yeah. They go straight to the baby. She's really upset and she feels like... She's completely on her own here. That makes sense. Yes. 33-year-old Diana Ross, because I can't see her as a 24-year-old at all. 40-year-old Diana Ross lives at home with her aunt and uncle. 
and complains when they try and introduce her to people. Yeah. And again, I can totally understand why a teenage girl would be like, stop introducing me to people. Because, like, embarrassing. I'll find someone myself. Yes, especially because the first person that they introduce her to um, is actually the actor that goes on to play the wizard at the end. He's called Gale. Uh, Gil, sorry, at the beginning. Yeah, because I got said, Oh, Gail, like Dorothy Gale. Yeah, Gil. When he comes in, if he was a gawky teenager and he comes in and Auntie M's like, Oh, Dorothy, this is Gil. You know, yeah, get together. Yeah, take his coat. Yeah. yeah, help him out. Take his coat. Go introduce him. Get him a cup of tea. Oh, Auntie M. Like, yeah, and her sort of scurrying away like, Oh, God. Yeah. And Auntie M saying, Oh, she's just shy. That yeah. makes more sense. Exactly. And this should be, like, kind of cheerleader-esque Dorothy with, like, nerdy, dweeby guy. Yeah. That's what it should be. And I don't want to socialise with this guy. Why have you bought this guy from school? I don't know him. And then, like, the later bit when they're talking about, in this case, oh, you should go teach high school instead of kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got the same principle of, oh, you should do this instead of this. And her being like, stop telling me what, how to live my life. Or alternately, yeah. you will be in high school soon. Yeah. Because she, at 14, would just be leaving middle I don't, school? I don't know think. American schools. I think. Yeah, because, yeah, no, she would. She would just be about, about to go to high school. Yeah. So, again, makes much more sense if Auntie Em's like, you need to try and branch out and make new friends. You're going to be going to high school soon. Yeah. So this is it. Like, Can you see Dorothy being a teacher? This no. Dorothy being a teacher? Do you think she'd be able to stand up in front of a classroom no. with teenagers? Well, I mean... Definitely she's in the right job for kindergarten. Yeah, she comes across as being very sweet. Yeah. She sings what she made of, afraid of, commitment. That's the answer. Yeah, basically. She's afraid of commitment. Mm-hmm. This sounds like we're being really mean, but it is it is the product of, of casting Diana Yeah, Ross. so this, this is it. It is. Casting changes everything. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you've made this call to get Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. To get Diana Ross, it's changed everything. Yeah. If you want to make Dorothy a timeless role, fine. Get somebody who's capable of making it a timeless role. Because yeah. yeah, I could totally see this world. The way they they made Dorothy older is great. Setting up with another man, and she's got a low income job, and she's got to live with you, so mm-hmm. she hates that as it is. And you are trying to give her advice to make life better. All of these are great decisions to make her appropriate for an older actress. Yes. Like, you could put a 30-year-old as Dorothy. Yeah. And it could work. Mm -hmm. And she becomes self-confident through going to Oz. But she still needs to have that sense of wonder. Yes. And The Wiz, by all means, I think more so than The Wizard of Oz, is a better platform to make an ageless Dorothy. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt, because, look, I think... The setting. Yeah, it, it works so much more. Diana Ross is just she's not right on so many levels and as a result we go by the performance she's done if we were watching The Wiz Live perhaps my opinion would be different and I'd be saying different things in the same way if we watched a different version well we are going to watch different versions of Annie perhaps Mm -hmm. I'll be more negative because it's that impact that one actor has yeah you told me that you hate stunt casting Mm -hmm. and when you saw we had Blake Harrison for the in-betweeners, as... Bogey. In you were... Dubious. I was dubious. But he was so good at it. Yeah. This is the thing. I'm always willing to give stunt casting a try. Yeah. I'm willing to listen. It's 
never going to be as bad as poor Cameron Dallas in Mean Girls because yeah. that whole situation is horrible. Yeah. And I'm sure I could do a whole podcast just talking about that and just talking about stunt casting. But I'm always willing to give people a try. Yeah, which you should. Yeah. And Blake Harris? Harrison. Harrison. He was fantastic. I've yeah. never seen him between us, but like, he was amazing in that and yeah. he was really funny. I've seen three... No, four different ogies, and he was my top two. Yeah. He wasn't my favourite one, but top two. He was really, really good. But then there's other stunt casting things, like, where I understand that when your show is sort of starting to go downhill a little bit, stunt casting helps. Yeah, because you've got to get butts in seats. Yeah. It's why schools do musical theatre more than straight plays, because you get... More you kids. Get more people, yeah. yeah. Things like Matt Lucas in Les Mis. Yeah. That's the best of stunt casting. Yeah, because he's Fantastic a great singer. singer. Does the role really, really well, and it fits his character mm-hmm. type. That's fine. Yeah. Like, ignoring all the controversy around Matt Lucas at the moment. But having somebody so out of place in a role... Yeah. It's just really strange. Yeah, ultimately, who you cast in certain roles is going to change the way we perceive them. Mm-hmm. And it changes the likability of characters. I think completely. as an adult woman watching a teenage Dorothy sort of scream and cry and be really freaked out in this situation, I would be like more understanding. Yeah. Watching Diana Ross... Who is older than you. Yeah, scream and cry. I just think, oh, get yourself together. Yeah, it's just, kind of, it's just kind of pathetic. Sort yourself out. Yeah, like this, adult. You know, this version of Dorothy is a year younger than you. She's, yeah, supposedly. Like, at this point in time. Yeah, she's supposed to be 24. Yeah, so she's a year younger than you. That's just not how people act at this age. You look at that as a 24-year-old, 25-year-old, yeah. you think, seriously, get a grip. You could look at that as a kid, and this is a you, and you know, probably a lot of people watch this growing up. Fine, because all adults are the same. But when you are that age or older, you just look at it and you're like, whatever. You can I found least... her annoying as a child. Yeah, but you can at least appreciate a teenager being annoying, whining, because like teenagers go through that. Yeah, that's their that's their development arc. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. Anyway. So yeah, Auntie M is trying to inspire her to be great, and she's just not happy, because she's happy as as she is, which like, the last song she sings makes me think otherwise. I'm happy to go along as I am. Really? You've just sang a song about how much you hate your life. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's, it's just the not making it clear that when she sings Can I Go On, she's talking about her self confidence and her sort of emotional life yeah but when she's talking to auntie m she's happy with her job and her like existence yeah and where she is in the world yeah. as opposed to her love life yeah. like it's just not clear it isn't so we're going to get a theme that runs through this she doesn't give a damn about toto she's a bad dog owner and toto escapes yeah right i'm gonna say this now yeah <laughs> before we was talk about the rest of this this is the worst trained movie dog I've ever seen. Yeah. And I love movies with dogs in. I we were on a roll with them. Sandy was great last week. Yeah, that's a very well trained dog. Yeah. The dog in Peter Pan Live, which we did not watch for a podcast, we just watched because it's trash. 
that dog is so well trained. He's yeah. trained to re respond to spoken lines. Yeah. That's incredible. This dog literally runs in a straight line. Yeah. This whole movie. The dog doesn't do anything. No, and he's not important, which is a shame because Toto, Toto is, is important. Very important, but he's just really weird. Yeah. I've never seen a dog that badly trained in a movie before. Well, this didn't have a stamp that said no animals were harmed in the making of this film. Yeah, and the dog also didn't get a credit, so... No. Elsa has a bad day at the office, and she brings Dorothy to Oz. Basically. It's yeah, a, snow it's a snow tornado. tornado. Yeah. The munchkins being graffiti and stepping out is brilliant. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. This is such a cool idea, and like our first Oz set piece mm -hmm. being like a playground with the structures and the shapes of Brilliant. Did you notice all the shapes and numbers? Yes, because she's the number witch. Yeah, she's Miss One. I really like this, and I like that they've been doomed to spend eternity as graffiti until the Wicked Witch of the East is dead. Yeah, because Evermine, which is the Wicked Witch of the East, yeah. is she caught them graffitiing? Yeah. Because they're teenagers, and as a punishment, she turned them into living graffiti, yeah. which is awesome. Which is a very cool idea. And I'm so interested to know how they got them up there. Because there's, you can't see like platforms or anything. Well, because it's all black. So it could probably be set in. They're probably set in a little bit. Yeah. So you wouldn't notice because... Amazing though. Yeah. And I love the different set pieces that like each area of Oz is like a very different part of New York. Mm -hmm. However, the dubbing in this is bad. Yeah, it's a weird one. It's really... Because it's it's kind of teenage adult performers but with kids voices laid over top yeah so there are two choruses for this film yeah. there's the munchkins child chorus and the munchkins adult chorus and they're used throughout the whole film i think they just called them the munchkins and the child chorus is sometimes quite a lot louder than the adult one yeah and when they layer it nicely it's a very nice harmony in the yeah. background but sometimes it just is a bit off. But there's also moments where they're speeding up the footage for their movements to make them more erratic. Yeah. That with the dubbing, which doesn't fit, it just made it really difficult to watch. Like, it gave me a headache watching it because you know when something's just wrong. Mm -hmm. That's what I was getting here, mm -hmm. which is a shame. It's a lovely set piece. The costumes are great. It was unwatchable for me. Yeah. It was making me feel sick. Okay. This film is made by a music studio a music production studio oh yeah there's times where this comes across more like a music video than yeah. it does anything else it's a series of music videos yeah basically which i'm fine with yeah however with 24 million behind it mm. which is a lot of money for that time there's no excuse yeah and there are musicals from a lot earlier than this that yeah. are doing their dubbing really really well I've musicals not seen... from the 30s that yeah. are doing i've not seen a musical from before this with bad dubbing yet Oklahoma had some like questionable. Yeah, it was, yeah, but it was still much better than this. Like, there was no point in making me feel ill. Okay, fair enough. Like you, you are presumably doing test screenings. Mm -hmm. Universal are involved. How did they get to this point? Yeah, it's just shoddy. It's the one kind of weakness in like the cinematography. Yeah, is that moment. It gets better, but at that point, I was I, I was getting such a headache because it's like you're watching it out of sync. It just it hurts. Mm. So we get the Wiz. He's the wizard. 
Yeah, I love this song. It's so funny. It's a good song. Yeah. I couldn't understand a lot of what was being said some of the time. I was like, I think this is maybe the singing is a little bit off. Mm. The version that we watched with Amber Riley was so much better. Yeah, the live version. So the reason we didn't watch the live version, but that I showed you some clips from yeah. it, is that a lot of the music numbers in the live version are very, very good in a sort of concert way. In that... Yeah. They're very good individually, but the whole show together mm. isn't amazing. Yeah, this one was just a weird one. I couldn't really understand a lot of what she was saying. Like, Fair enough. And I've had that before. Like, Sometimes I go to the theatre and I can't necessarily follow what's being said because of audio levels. She's not saying a whole lot, to be honest. She mostly just says, he's got superpowers. Uh, he'll be able to send you home. He'll make you a magic potion that you can drink. That all yeah. and, like, It's just reiterating how powerful the wizard is and it sets us up like i think if you hadn't seen the wizard of oz before this and you didn't know anything about it it sets him up to be very very powerful yeah he's oz the great and powerful Hmm. the set's amazing it looks spectacular but dorothy is scared and homesick i don't think she wants to watch kids backflip or dance like get to the point no but again more about dorothy's performance the one we saw where she's looking in wonder and smiling and engaging, that's yeah. the Dorothy that we should have. Did you catch that the whole setting of the teenagers in the playground was basically Auntie M explains it beforehand? No. Auntie M, in that conversation they're having after Can I Go On, says to her, you need to get out of that eternal sand pit and start working with some oh, of these older kids, cool. it's going to be more meaningful for and you. And they pull her out of the sand pit. That's she really lands cool. in the sand pit and is pulled out by teenagers. I like that. Yeah. That's really clever. So, yeah, we do go as soon as I get home. Mm-hmm. I like the cabs, like, being, like, we're not working. Yeah. The cabs are cool. Like, and I really like the design of them. Mm-hmm. If they do look like a little, like, obviously not real cars. They're very Roger Rabbit. Yeah. But I like them. Yeah, it's great, but I like this one. The cinematography is great, you know, the long shots of Dorothy exploring this kind of Oz, and it's kind of at this point scarier and darker, and the fact that she looks so small. It's a really good choice because it shows like how she's feeling about this world. She's lost, she can't find the yellow brick road. Yeah. And yeah, she can sing, and this is a good song, and Diana Ross does a great job singing it, but. You know, she's not Dorothy. Tell you did a great cover of this song, Whitney Houston. (laughs) She'd have been great, because Whitney Houston was probably Dorothy age at this time. I have absolutely no idea. I don't know how old she is, but I could imagine, like, young Whitney Houston being great at this. Mm. Now, had you not told me that Michael Jackson was the scarecrow, it would have taken me a lot longer to get that that was Michael Jackson. Until he sings. Until he speaks. Like, when he speaks, I can hear his voice. Yeah. But he's unrecognisable. The costume there is really makeup that they use in But this considering show. he's your jaw, you've got, like, Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. to put him underneath all those prosthetics is such a weird choice. Because, like, he should be the face of this film. And, and Saying that, in the 70s, and correct me if I'm wrong, but how many people knew what he looked like? particularly it's true i think the jackson five are definitely like one of the 
biggest recording artists in America at this point in time. Yeah, but who's watching them? No, it's true. You're listening to their music. Yeah. Music videos aren't really a thing yet. It's going to be like when he's a solo star that they become bigger. Especially, well, yeah, especially for looking at him. Yeah. I think you would know him visually as a child. Yeah. Because from when he was really little. Yeah. And then, like, you're just sort of aware that... They've done performances on, like, late-night TV, so people will be aware of what he looks like. Maybe not in the same way that we think nowadays, like, if you were to cast something really prominent and cover them under all that prosthetics, it'd be crazy. Well, it's like the cats thing. The reason why the cats in the new movie, their faces are so human... It's because you've got this all-star cast. You want to be able yeah. to see that it's them, which is stupid. We we understand that it's them. We go and see animated movies where we know that it's them. Like yeah. we can get over it. So I think the best one of that was Judy Dent. No, Ian McKellen. The way his whiskers came out, like I think he looked old and he fitted. Yeah. Yeah. I think he fitted. I us. just love where Judy Dent puts her whole leg up in the air. Which is yeah. It's great. I do think this was a missed opportunity, though. You should have cast his brothers as the crows for the roles. Because the first introduction to Michael Jackson, he's singing with four other people. Like, yeah. have the Jackson Five at this point. Just just for this one song. And nobody needs to know except you guys, because, like, they're covered in all of this makeup as, as the crows. Are those beats? Yeah. Amazing. The costume design for him and for the crows is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like, to, to create these anthropomorphic crows yeah. keep the crow features but also make them human yeah brilliant. they've got the big beaks that basically tick up most of their faces that yeah. really it's like a reverse foo yeah you know what it I mean is, yeah and then they've got these gloves where the, it basically looks like feathered hands oh they're so cool I just all the gloves yeah I love them and basically they fed him false info because mm-hmm. he is an awful scarecrow yeah. And they told him that, no, you work with the crows. Here's the crows' mantra. And they keep him, like... Prisoner, essentially. Prisoner. And Dorothy comes and helps him. Oh, the song that he sings in the scene, You Can't Win. Is great. Is great. It was written for the stage show and was yeah. ultimately cut. So they, they decided to bring it back. For the I liked it. He sang brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as he does. He's got a great singing voice. Yeah. And he does a great job with it. And even, like, when he's got to stand in that weird pose. He's, he's doing a good amount of acting yeah. for somebody that has to stand on a scale. This is it. Out. But, like, again, he's another recording artist, but he nails the idea of musical theatre to me. Like, he puts this emotion into his songs. Mm-hmm. It's quickly established he doesn't need a brain. He needs positive thinking. Yes. Like, he knows Confucius. He doesn't need a brain. But yeah. obviously that comes from the fact that what he stuff with are, like, the words of these really wise men. Yeah. Like he's got Shakespeare there and he pulls out different quotes. That's such a brilliant idea mm-hmm. for the scarecrow. He's not stuffed with straw. He's actually already got all these great thoughts. He's, yeah. he's a it's living like brain. newspaper trash. Yeah. And his brain is absorbed by like all these great philosophers or writers' ideas. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. And it's such a cool idea. And like in terms of costume design, and I don't know if that's also like parts of what's in the script for the stage show or if that's just for the film. Bit both. Yeah, because, like, Joel Schumacher wrote the screenplay for this, so I'm sure things must be, like, changed in translation. Yeah. So perhaps things like that have been added in. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's just really awesome. I like it as a character trait. Yeah. Him. Is him 
when he doesn't really know what to do, just the finding a quote that kind of works. Yeah, and he gets one. He's like the weather. <laughs> it's just like oh yeah, like, yeah, slightly cloudy, rain by evening. Yeah. Like Since he's come fun. on the film, I've started having a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. He's bringing the life to it, and like his body movements are great as well. Like when he's doing like the rag doll. Yeah. You, he's just brilliant in this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've seen him in his like music videos and like his acting. Yeah. And it's okay, but I wasn't expecting him to be like good actor in this, especially considering he's so young in his career. Like he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. He's he's really good. If you told me I'd have enjoyed Michael Jackson's performance in this as much as I did I, uh, a week ago, yeah, I would not have believed you. No. I was most skeptical of him in this. Yeah. I, as a child, did not know that that was Michael Jackson. Yeah. I was, like, aware of who Michael Jackson was. But that's what's so awesome about it, is the fact that it's you, so hidden. you've got your stunt casting, but you've not made it a big deal. Yeah. Like, you just let him do whatever with it, and the fact that people could be, like, aware of Michael Jackson and not know that was him, Yeah. that's amazing. Mm. And speaks volumes of how well he did. So, we're about to ease on down the road, but... Did you notice throughout the film that the further away from Oz and the Emerald City you get, the more ragged the yellow brick road is? Yeah, because like it's the odd stray brick at the start. Yeah, and then it's it literally comes... just like, here's a brick and there's yeah. a brick, and then it filters into yeah. the actual yellow brick road. The further away from the Emerald City you get in Oz, the more destroyed the city is. Yeah. Oh yeah, like on the outskirts, it definitely looks kind of. It's essentially just rubble. Yeah, it's like dystopian. Yeah. Which is very interesting. It's like Oz is at the centre of it, mm-hmm. and he's helping his centre, and like the further out you get, the worse it is. Very Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But I guess it's going into different domains, isn't it? Like here's potentially like further out in the east. Yeah. Where that wicked witch was, that's her domain. The fact that like. All the, but where the kids were, yeah. the munchkins are, are her prisoners there. Mm-hmm. Further out, it's got different like rulers, maybe. Yeah. So they, they, they're doing their dance on ease on down the road. Mm-hmm. There's moments where they're spinning each other around. And just, again, another thing about that annoyed me is the cinematography is they're not sent up. And they're spinning each other in circles, but they're close to the, the right side of the TV. Yeah, it's, it's a weird static me. camera shot where yeah. you should be following them. Yes. But it's just on the road. Yeah, the marker for them should be in the middle. And it's just weird choices. Dorothy is a bad pet owner, point number two. She's forgotten Toto and Toto has to run after them. That's his whole job in this movie. Yeah. Like, she doesn't deserve Toto. Yeah. We go into Coney Island. Yes, they're on the yellow brick roller coaster. This is our second appearance of Coney Island on the podcast. When was the first appearance? Oh, of course. Phantom. <laughs> Love never dies. Look. The Tin Man's costume is fantastic oh, as well. God. And his Isn't performance. So Nipsey Russell mm-hmm. was great. Like his control of himself and like the slow like movements into more fluid after he's been oiled like this whole sequence is a lot of fun he's great my favorite thing in his song is slide some oil to me yeah he jumps up in front of i guess it's a coconut shy yeah but it's it's little dudes heads Mm. and they're like a barbershop quartet but they've got their mouths open so you would throw the ball into their mouths to win a prize 
and they harmonise with him, and it was so funny. Yeah. What would I do if I could feel? Mm-hmm. You have, like, just before that one starts, really nice, like, they're pulling him up, and they're, like, getting his body into place, which is really nice. Like, you yeah. believe it, and the squeaking works. Like, obviously, you do that to me now, mm-hmm. it's going to look stupid, it's going to look silly, and we're both going to laugh at it. They've done a good job. Yeah. Like, getting him up on his feet and having the rigidity to him. What would I do if I could feel supposed to be the end of Act One song? Which is weird because, like, there's still so much more to go. And it feels really weird for me to set up Act Two without meeting the cowardly lion yet. I would say. No, no. It's not supposed to go here. Oh, really? No. It's supposed to be after. So the wizard tells them they've got to go kill Eveline. Ah. Then he sings it. So you know where they're all sat around in the hotel room? And he's ba- they're all basically saying, well, if I had a heart, if I had this. Like, all... here's how I would help yeah. you. And he sings, what would I do if I could feel? Interesting. Saying, if I could have an opinion on this because I felt an emotion about it, what would my choice be? And then the answer is, I have to help Dorothy. Yeah. Because he loves her, <laughs> like they all do, but him specifically. Yeah. This the Tin Man is supposed to be in love with Dorothy, which you don't really get. No, which is again, it, it's a bit weird because she's supposed to be a child. Yeah. But this would be a better version to have him be in love with her, like having clear like a mm-hmm. version, and especially if the Tin Man played like some kind of guy she had interaction with at the start. Like, yeah, if the Tin Man was the guy from the start. Yeah, and then we get some kind of closure at the end of her just going into her house. Yeah. Michael Jackson's embarrassed by like the singing sign girls during. Is he embarrassed, or is he just not actually seeing them sing? Oh no, he sees them sing. He's like, oh, girls. <laughs> He oh, just okay. looks like a little, like, naive. Yeah, okay. He's got, like, the smarts of, like, philosophers, but no actual, like... Life smarts. Life smarts. Their makeup was great as well, so giving them that kind of she wooden like effect. Wood. Yeah. yeah. That was really good. So they oil him back to life, and they slide some oil in him. <laughs> Amazing. Basically. Yeah, but he rusts himself. By crying. By crying. So, like, yeah, he clearly can feel things if he's capable of crying. Mm -hmm. And for somebody who has no heart, he sure emotes when he's singing. Yeah. Like, he sings with a lot of heart and a lot of soul. But that's the point. Yes. And they head off, ease on down the road, and Dorothy is a bad pet owner. Number three, she forgets Toto again. Yep. So, they are walking past New York Public Library. Yes. And suddenly, old Deuteronomy shows up. <laughs> Basically. It's Judy Dench, is old Deuteronomy. I don't know. I think he's a bit more original Ram Tugger. Yeah, like he definitely looks like he's in the wrong play. Yeah. His costume, though. His costume, I noticed towards the end, looks really like as if Pennywise had dressed up as a cowardly lion. Because it's a suit jacket and pants. It's weird. He does look a little Pennywise for me. I can get that. I love how he breaks out of like his hiding place, like he's disguised himself as one of these lions. Yeah. So he's so embarrassed and like he's in the forest. Yeah. Obviously books are made from wood, so I like the idea that New York Public Library is like his forest. forest Do you know they actually wanted to film this in front of 
the actual New York. Public I'm glad Library. they didn't. I'm glad they replicated it as a set. Me too, because they said that when they were trying to film it, because they did a couple of shoots there. Yeah, well, they Coney were Island was around. the actual Coney Island as well. Like they they've gone to some on location places. Oh yeah, but when they were trying to film in front of the library, they said it was impossible to do it without traffic getting in the way or people walking past. So there's a lot of famous films that have used those stairs mm -hmm. so sex and the city the movie uses them haven't seen it i love that that's my first example considering i'm going to move on to ghostbusters and spider-man yeah but they use them but obviously the idea being you can use crowds within those scenes yeah you can't here it's got to be a closed set and it's such a busy point in new york like i've been there mm -hmm. and you can't close it down to something like this and i think no. if the world we're creating you can do more with it as a, as a built set. set. Yeah. Especially really because it. the majority of it is a matte painting. Yeah. And so if you are not aware, back before they did CGI backdrops, there was this thing called matte painting where artists would be hired to do a flat backdrop painting of wherever you wanted your scene to be set, which is how the majority of Star Wars was done. Yeah. Very cool. And a lot of this movie, for yeah. example... Coney Island backdrop is all matte painting. Yeah. It's really good. I love matte painting. It's amazing. Yeah. So we get I'm a mean old lion. He's Which not. He's a, a bit of a coward. Song. A great song. I love that song. I love the noise he makes. The mm. like sort of snarly noise. I yeah. don't know how to explain it. <laughs> yeah, that's a pig. That's not what he Okay, did. well it's kind of like that. Similar, but there was like a little grrr in there as well. Yeah. It's great. He's fantastic. This is Ted Ross, who was the Cowardly Lion. Yeah. In the and you can see, like, he's very good. Mm -hmm. He must have been a great choice. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that when we watch the film adaptations, I like seeing people who are actually in it do it. Like, it's, it's a nice touch. However, I think next to poor Diana Ross, he is a bit of a scene stealer. Which is fine, well, yeah, but like... It doesn't take much. Everyone here is a scene sealer. That's true. So they ease on down the road for the third time. Mm -hmm. Is there a garbage collector strike? Because the streets are piled with Well, so I trash. think this is the point, is that, again, the further away from Oz you are, the more dishevelled the world is. But we're not that far away at this point. Like, we're at least kind of... I mean, this is the problem using the New York Public Library as the barometer for the lion is then an issue for like the rest of it. Because like the whole point is Manhattan is supposed to be Emerald City. Yeah. But that's in Manhattan. So like but that still choice doesn't outskirts. but that choice doesn't work for this version of New York that we're creating. Mm. But like, still... I like the idea that we've gone kind of from the Bronx into Coney Island and gradually getting like further forward. Yeah. And we've always been on the outskirts of New York until we get into Manhattan. Mm -hmm. But the choice of location doesn't work for that thread. Yeah. But yeah, like you say, it's more disheveled, more dystopian as we're edging closer into the Emerald City. Yeah. We have the scene that fully traumatised me as a child. Yeah. It's so New York that the yellow brick road leads to a subway. Yeah, subway station. And the lion 
saves the day from the haunted station. Is this the station for the Overlook Hotel? If you're travelling as a yes. tourist from JFK and you need to get to the Overlook Hotel, you're going to get the subway and you're going to get off of this stop. And you're going to have to watch out for the Dalek bins that try to eat scarecrows and chase dogs. Yeah. They are just like really cheap looking Daleks. Basically. So, in the book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, there is a scene where the lion has to test his courage. Yeah. Because I think in the Judy Garland one, there isn't really a scene where lion has to... Well, they're in the... They are in the enchanted forest. Yeah, basically. Whatever it's called, because you've got lions and tigers and bears, oh my. And he does have to, like, be brave to get them through. Yeah, so... But in the book, they get to the bridge. And to get across the bridge, the lion has to fight these, like, tiger, dragon things. But he has to be brave. That's his moment. And it's because they go after Dorothy that he does it. So in in this version, we have a weird sort of peddler man. Who we've already seen as they leave. Well, he shows up at the beginning when Dorothy's yeah. in home. Then he's, he's, he's in, stalking them. Yeah, he's in the Coney Island. Yeah, it's never explained who he is or what he is. He just shows up and he magics things into existence yeah and he has these two red puppet things that i actually have nightmares about quite a lot as a child that grow and then chase them yeah and there's he has this piece of music that genuinely like brings real terror into me where it's literally just like but it's so like it puts sets my teeth on edge is it it's a very difficult, I think, to scare me in a musical, but yeah. this did it as a child. I didn't really... I mean, yeah, I'm not a child. I'm a 30-year-old guy watching this, so, mm. like... Oh, no, I'm not scared of him now. This takes yeah. me back to feeling really scared of it as a child. But they get away, Yeah. and I think we've got, like, a really pointless sequence here. So, like, an essential oil diffuser gives Dorothy an allergic reaction. She faints. Oh, like, we have to have... This whole scene is... Pointless. Yeah, but you have to have the poppies. It's the Wizard of Oz. But I don't get that. I don't get it within the realm of this because all that happens is they then sing Be a Lion because he's all like, oh, I failed. They should have sung it after he'd saved them from the Dalek bins because he's just been a lion and he's saved them. It's his courage that gets him through. Yeah. Within this context of the Wiz, yeah, honestly, that scene serves no purpose. Fair enough. Like the Tin Man pulls a Pokemon the first movie and, and cries. cries to bring everyone back to life. Yeah, but it, it serves no purpose. Like we don't know who these Poppy girls are. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't get any. Well, they're supposed so in the Wizard of Oz. They would work for. The witch, I suppose. Well, and and I'm t- touch on this in a moment, but that's not explained. We see them when we're going into her sweatshop. But they're like new recruits. Yeah, but at this point, there's, there's, there is no purpose. You cut this scene, the narrative doesn't get affected. That's true. Oh, so in the stage show, yeah. Be a Lion happens after the battle. So the battle, where he saves them. They sing Be a Lion because his response to saving them from the monster thingies is 
I'm sorry I wasn't brave enough to save you. Yeah, and she's like, you were. But then he gets the poppy like dust yeah. on him. And he there's a song called The Lion's Dream, which is basically him having like a trip. Okay. Well, like I said, this should have just cut the poppy yeah, girl scene. Just cut it. And have be a line where it's supposed to be. Yes, it's like a reference to the Wizard of Oz. I didn't get that. It didn't yeah. make sense. So it, it's a reference to the book. Yeah, but if you don't know the book like I don't, it doesn't actually make sense. Yeah. So we've made it to the end of the Yellow Brick Road. Oh, where are the witches at this point as well? Like we've gotten Which halfway ones? through the film. Any of them? Where's Glinda? Where's the Wicked Witch of the West? They're not here. Well, Glinda's off busy being a star. Yeah, and where's Bucky Witch of the West? Eveline. Yeah. Running her sweatshop. But why am I not already introduced to her? And it's going to become an issue in a moment. I hated the Big Apple. I just thought it was stupid. Oh, you thought that was so cheesy. I hated it. It wasn't cheesy. It was just unnecessary. It was on the nose. It was just gross. It looked stupid. I hated it. And they certainly are dressed in Emerald. We finally get to the Emerald City. I like the idea that it is supposed to be like a Studio 54 kind mm. of rip-off. That's cool. I like it. I like that they're all dressed in Emerald to begin with. Yes. And I love this sequence because the wizard clearly only cares about this part of Oz. Yeah. This is the high, the upper crust. Like, these are his people. Yeah. And he doesn't care We're about a- anyone here. else, which is why Evelyn has this sweatshop. It's because the wizard's not doing anything about her. Yeah. But him being so up himself that he can change the Emerald City to be something other The than- Ruby City. Yeah. And then the Gold City. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So we start off with somewhere that's green. Mm-hmm. Now, if their fans are green, I did start wondering how they're going to react to the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. Because, you know, in my experience, she's always green. So that doesn't matter. But, you know, I've not been introduced to a witch yet, so who was I to know? Yeah. I I guess you would assume she was going to be green. Exactly. So I was wondering, like, if they're all big fans of green, they must love the Wicked Witch. Yeah. Is all the energy for the light green? Like, is it eco-friendly? Probably not. So Oz is fickle, he makes it the ruby city, no one fights it, they just do as they're told, because mm-hmm. they're so scared of him. I don't and think they... they're scared of him, they sort of rivet, nobody's ever seen him, they rivet no, him. No, but I could imagine, like, if they'd been granted an audience with him, like, he's this head that shoots fire at them, they would be scared. Yeah, so this scene is amazing, because they have a different cast for each colour. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not the that. same actors redressed, because they filmed it all in one take like yeah. a music video so they have 650 dancers over a thousand costumes yeah and 385 crew members that's cool on set just for that scene yeah this that is great. insane the choreography was amazing oz is clearly shot for oscars because they're yeah. dressed like oscars when it turns to the city of gold yeah feels very like gold members club in Austin Powers 3. I haven't seen it. But so okay. It's fun. But I just... We get a really cool sequence here. Mm-hmm. And then they all skip off. And I hate Diana Ross's acting. She just... Ugh. It frustrates me every time. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think if Dorothy was 14-year-old Dorothy? What do you think her reaction to this should be? Should be really exciting, I think. Like Yeah, it should be Merry Old Land of Oz. Yeah, like it's in the, glitz and glamour, and I really like that idea of it. Like, especially if you take this idea of like a popular fourteen year old Dorothy who's like cheerleader and popular social squad, you know. Yeah. Love to see your adaptation of the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Not of this, but of the Wizard of Oz. Richard Pryor's giant robot head shoots fire. Yep. This is almost shot for shot the same as the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, and it, fine. Like, I've got no sure, issue. Sure, there's only so many ways you can do this giant head that she's yeah, firing. It's really, really good. But who needs a brain when you can spout puns like wisdom? He doesn't need a brain. He's like, we come for your wisdom. Like, you don't no, need I a brain. No, I didn't catch that, but You're that's hilarious. You're already smart enough. Yeah. Like, great. He doesn't know that, though. No, I know he doesn't. I know he doesn't, and that's the journey that we're going on. Which, yeah. like, at the same time, Dorothy needs a brain, she needs a heart, and she needs some courage. She needs all of them. Like, mm-hmm. That's always what's so great about the Wizard of Oz arc, is that she's going to get all three Yeah. by going through this experience. So, the Wizard of Oz, or the Wiz, says, I'm not going to help you. Yeah. In fact, actually, I'll only help you if you murder someone who at this point has done nothing to hurt anyone in this world. She has, we just haven't seen No, it. but that's the problem. Right. They haven't seen it. They haven't set it up for us. No. And it, it's it's awful because Dorothy, who's supposed to be our main character, is just like, okay, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, she takes some soul searching, but she agrees to do it. We as an audience haven't been told anything about the Wicked Witch of the East, bar her name. And this is a big difference with between the stage show and the movie, is that in the stage show, we're told a lot about what Edeline, we never see her until you meet her in Don't Nobody Bring Me No Bad News, which is a great introduction to a character. Yes, it is. Brilliant introduction. But it, it's the sort of Hannibal Lecter world of introductions, like in Science of the Lambs. You don't meet her, but you're told about her. Yeah. Dorothy's told over and over again what will happen to her if Eveline gets her. Yeah. And basically what will happen is Eveline will turn her into one of the Winkies, which is what they're called. Yeah. And she'll lose all of her memories of home. She won't have any happy thoughts anymore. And she will turn into like a shriveled old person because yeah. she sucks all the life out of you. All the like joy yeah. and happiness out of you. So you turn into like a little wrinkled walnut yeah. of a person. And that is scary to a child. Yeah. Like having all the life sucked out yeah, of that's you, terrifying. that's terrifying. Adult Diana Ross, who spends this whole movie being upset, has already had all the joy sucked out yeah. of her. So like... But here's the problem. I, I think all we've heard of the Wicked Witch of the East at this point is a throwaway line from the number witch. Is, oh yeah, you killed her sister, she's not going to yeah, be happy. that's it. Yeah. Now, personally, I think, don't nobody bring me no bad news, should have come like, after that scene, before she meets the scarecrow. Oh, like, way earlier, yeah. And we have moments where we go back and forth, because from our introduction to the Wicked Witch of the West, everything moves too fast. Like, literally, she sends her fly monkeys out, and Dorothy and her friends happen to just walk into them. Mm-hmm. I like the idea far more that there's a base that they're then moving towards, and, like, they sync up eventually, so we have a few scenes of Dorothy before they then bump into the, the flying monkeys who we know are out to get them. 
Yeah. I don't like it that it's just suddenly like, oh, and they're here. It's stupid. The narrative of this doesn't flow. And it's the same it's issue. The it's the yeah. pacing. Yeah. It's the exact same issue I had with Annie last week. I don't give a damn about this villain. She's not important. The fact that I'm meeting her an hour and a half-ish into the film, mm-hmm. who gives a damn about this villain? Yeah. She should be a threat from the beginning of our introduction to Oz. We should be getting more of the witches throughout this. It shouldn't just be Dorothy, 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 Oz, witches. Yeah. It should be Dorothy, witch, Dorothy, Dorothy, witch, Dorothy, Oz, witch. It makes more well, sense. And the other thing with the stage show is that the guy in the subway, Yeah. he works for her. Yes. That is established. And also when the poppies happen yeah. to the lion, that's yeah. a result of that guy attacking them. Yeah. That is in service of the oh, witch. So this is it. So we still don't see her until the start of Act 2. But it's fine because she's been so set up. Exactly. Now, if we're not, if if we're gonna see her, you you can certainly put, don't nobody bring me no bad news earlier. Mm-hmm. You can then establish that instead of sending flying monkeys after them, yeah, she sends the puppet master. Mm. Great. The poppy girls then come into it as yeah. more of her minions. Great, and they nearly beat Dorothy. All these things just feels like Dorothy's falling into these misadventures yeah. because she's a fool and she doesn't know what she's doing. It just feels like it's bad luck mm-hmm. and the witch has got no part of this. But if we introduce the Wicked Witch of the West earlier and we show explicitly that she's out to do this, yeah, that scene with the poppy girls makes more sense. But at the minute, it's just a waste of time because there's no point to it. Mm-hmm. The narrative of this adaptation is a little bit of a mess. Yeah, Perhaps they've cut things in the script, like you say, they talk about the witch and you show that the witch is like Blofeld in his chair, like with his back and we don't see it, but we see that she's there commanding people to go get Dorothy. Yeah. It needs to be more explicit, like, because it doesn't feel like anyone's working. Yeah. I'm a big fan of horror movies, but specifically horror movies where you don't see the villain. Oh yeah, I love that. For a really long time. I think you haven't seen... Quiet Place. No. But that movie is amazing right up until the point where you see the monster. Oh, yeah, because I've seen like clips of monsters when people were promoting Quiet Place too. Yeah, at which point I'm done. Like, sorry, it's not scary anymore. But it's the same with Insidious because, like, it's scary when you yeah. don't see it. But when you see it, it's Darth Maul playing a pipe organ. Yeah. And it's not scary. I just well, it's like the Babadook thing as yeah. well. That... Not scary. The child's drawings of him. Yeah. You kind of think, oh, is that actually what he looks yeah. like? Is this just how the kid's seeing it? Yeah. And then when you actually do see it, you're like, oh, okay, cool. But this is it. So, like, yeah, keeping the Wicked Witch's reveal until Don't Bring Me No Bad News, great. I can be- I can believe that being later on. Yeah. Provided we've had a, a narrative thread that shows that she's responsible for all these issues Dorothy's facing. Mm-hmm. Fine. Even if she just had, like, a symbol and all of these people had that same symbol on yeah, them. Yeah, like, just something that explains that people are out to get Dorothy, that she just doesn't happen to be in a bad neighbourhood. Yeah. I've never thought about that before, that she just isn't in it until... Yeah. Well, especially with the, the movie, because in the movie, after she sings Don't Nobody Bring Me No Bad News, there's four songs left. Yeah. In the stage show, that's the opening of Act 2. Yeah. So there's about... Ten songs yeah. left. 
again, like, how are you supposed to care about a villain who's not been developed? Villains need just as much depth as your heroes, because you need to care about the heroes overcoming them. And, like, you need to suspend your disbelief that the hero might lose. I would say, bar Infinity War and Empire Strikes Back, I have never seen a film where the villain wins at the end of it. But I care about the villains at least, and I kind of, even though like in every other film I watch, I know that the villain won't win. Do you know, there's I a lot care. of horror movies where... Yeah, but like that's different, because like you go that's into a horror movies, so, like, as a genre, yeah. you know that. But come on, the first time you saw Infinity War, how shocked were you when people started getting dusted? Because you didn't expect... You thought the Avengers would win. Because in every Marvel film, they overcome the odds somehow. I didn't expect anything. I remember being in a sold-out cinema screen with everyone gasping when you start seeing people die. Most Marvel villains, you can kind of be like, cool, they lost, but you at least care about the villains. Like, Loki, great villain. Yeah. In this and in Annie... At no point have I ever needed to spend my disbelief because like the villain's not important. Yeah, it's a mean and means to an end. Yeah, it's just a narrative device. We've got a villain. Yeah. At least in other musicals we've watched where there's ideas of villains, I've believed them to an extent. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we are introduced to Eveline. And she's brilliant. I love her. She's so great, and especially if we hadn't, if we'd had all this set up for her to be this like big bad, yeah. and then you meet her and this song is so campy, it's oh, amazing. It's I thought that the only reason Oz wants her dead is because she wears all the colours, and I was just like, no, one colour, she yeah. wears all of them. Also she wears crowns on yeah. either side of her head. She's brilliant. Yeah. And the choreography in this moment, like there's a real, one of my favourite things of choreography, like the crisscross, mm-hmm. where she's walking down and people just or like trying to get around yeah. her without getting in her way. And it's like and... the same you have it in Sweeney Todd where like during Epiphany and he's walking forward across a busy street and like I mm. love it when you have like that brilliantly timed choreography. Yeah. These sweatshirt workers are having a ball with her during this dance. Like it's not a hard knock life. No. So <laughs> the reason it's not is because they're her minions because yep. they, they look like the Winkies now. Yeah. They're all shriveled and they've had all the life sucked out of them. So they do they'll do anything she says. So joining in with her big campy number makes sense. For but then them. the second after her campy number, they are back to being scared. Yeah. But I can at least suspend my disbelief of being like she's magicked them to do this song and dance for Yeah, her. she's evil. Yeah. Like you're gonna join in with it's her dance. Fine. I love this. Like this was such a good song. I yeah. I really liked this one. The flying monkeys look like Power Ranger goons. I kind of love them though. Those oh, puppets are amazing. They're great. I love them on their bikes. But Especially because there's definitely people inside of those. Yeah. But here's the other problem I have because of the narrative at this point. How does she know about Dorothy and the gang? Who's told her? The how guy. is she aware? She's got the guy. What guy? The underground guy. Yeah, I don't know. And the monkeys find them too quickly, it's literally the next scene, so any kind of tension goes out the window. Yeah, it feels like there were a lot of scenes cut in this film. Yeah. 
and we get another instance of Dorothy being the world's worst dog owner because she's in danger and she runs for her life completely forgetting about Toto. Oh my god, she saves everyone else before Toto and then puts them all in danger to save Toto. Exactly. Famous last words, I think we're safe. Yeah. And really nice aerial shot as then all the other bins go out the way and the The bikes come in. Yeah, that was great. And then we smash cut to being in Eveline's yes Alice. and she says my sister was a saint and like opens up like the the jewelry thing like the little oh, yeah, locket there's a lot of like common themes of the past two weeks lockets and lockets <laughs> yeah like it's it's very weird like also she opens... is she an orphan is dorothy an orphan because she's living with her aunt and uncle yeah like, she is so orphans lockets mm. bad villains Evelyn opens this locket and it's just two pictures of Evelyn. Yeah. So she wants the slippers. Yeah, she wants her sister's silver slippers. Because you would, like, give That's me... That's really hard to say. Yeah. Give me my sister's silver slippers. Like, they were bequeathed to me in her will. You've come along, murdered her, stolen her, her shoes. Give mm. them back to me. She's in the right. Yeah. It's funny. Always bugs me about this depiction of the Wicked Witch because, like, actually, she just wants, like, what's hers? Like, Dorothy's murdered her sister. Yeah. She wants revenge. Like, Dorothy's the villain. Yeah. I guess. You've seen Wicked, right? Yeah. You know this bit in Wicked? Yeah. Where she's like, I want my sister's shoes. I enchanted them for her. It's literally the last thing I have yeah. of her. Of her. It's not wrong. No. Like, if witches... We understand that when witches are killed, they shrivel up and disappear or, like, turn to dust. Yeah. Or melt. Or something. They're gone. There's nothing left of them. So these shoes are literally what she has left. Exactly. Like, that's what she wants is her her sister's shoes. Yeah. So Dorothy refuses because she needs them. So the Wicked Witch of the East, which is really funny because I'm looking at my notes and I've put WWE, which is, like wrestling company no Evelyn's the Wicked Witch of the West oh yeah well Wicked Witch Evelyn then yeah she tortures Dorothy by hurting her friends so <laughs> brilliant bit where like she two cuts... of them can't be hurt yeah but she cuts Michael Jackson in half hilarious and he's just like don't worry it's fine I'm just my filing system's gone a little to pop yeah great amazing she steam presses the tin man the tin man right that should be it for him. he's flattened at this point so I don't know how they undo that we'll talk about that in a minute and then she hangs the she the line hangs up by his tail. tail he looks like a pinata yeah but like that that would actually hurt that's an actual torture but device. then she says would you like onion or sauerkraut and dorothy's like what and she's like on your hot dog <laughs> she's fully <laughs> just gonna throw toto into a now fire. here's the thing at this point toto has been so unimportant to dorothy dorothy's finally gonna make the right choice for the dog but if you are the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, or the Lion, who is sinless. She doesn't care about this dog throughout your whole adventures with her. And, like, you're getting tortured, and she suddenly now wants to save the dog. Are you not going to be a little offended? Yeah, torture my friends, but don't hurt my dog, So like, you've left this dog so many times on this journey. Like, you're trying to get rid of Toto. Yeah, clearly. So yeah. she's taking the shoes off, and Michael Jackson's like, look over there. And blank-eyed Diana Ross is like, what? Look over there. And then we realise... In case of fire, Paul here. Right. I can suspend my disbelief only so far. If I was an evil witch and I know that my only weakness 
is water. Her allergy. I'm not going to yeah. have a sprinkler system. In a sweatshop. You don't care about their rights anyway. You've killed one of them. Like, if there's a fire, they can die. I'll get more minions. Well, and also, it says on the outside of her sweatshop, manufacturers of sweat. She's not making anything. She's making sweat. Like, that's the the product that she's creating. Water would wash it all away. It just seems like a bad system. Have have extinguishers, for sure. Absolutely yeah. fine. But, like, CO2 ones. It's too easy. Water. It's, it's too easy. The whole point, the whole point, and I know you haven't read the book, but you've seen, you know how the witch dies in the Wizard of Oz. Yes. And I know that in Wicked, it's a joke that she's like, yeah, everyone thought water would kill me. It doesn't. Right. In the Wizard of Oz... It's an accident. Yeah. Dorothy is our hero. She's also a child. She cannot be seen to purposely and maliciously kill someone. So they have, she catches on fire because of Toto, I think. And Dorothy grabs a bucket of water. To try and help her. To try and help her. She tries to save her and she throws the water over her and it kills her and Dorothy is fully traumatised. In this one... Dorothy does not know that the water will kill Eveline, but the scarecrow does. I've just realised this. So inside his body is like all this shredded stuff. And if Shakespeare is canon, yeah. so is the Wizard of Oz. One of the books inside the scarecrow is the Wizard of Oz. And he knows, knows that to kill a witch, you have to douse her with water. And fortunately, Eveline set up her own demise in yeah, her work. Sat on her giant toilet. Yeah, because it is. That's it's a funny. Toy. That's really. Funny I do. Though. Do you know? I really wish there was a flushing noise, or so, one of her minions can just flush after she went down. Yeah. I, I. That's the campy kind of humor I want. Yeah, like, I'm on board for that. Yeah. That's so. great though, and her overacting, her death, where she's yeah. like, "I'm, I'm dying. No, I'm allergic to water. Brilliant. No, no, it melts me." And then she melts. Absolutely I love hilarious. It. I, I love it. Thought the rainbow was a little obvious. You like the rainbow. Okay. You like the rainbow. Yeah. I like all this obvious on the I get stuff. that it's a reimagining of the Wizard of Oz. And, like, it is very obvious. But, like, at the same point in time, they've done a really good job at trying to make this its own thing. Mm. Right? This isn't Judy Garland singing somewhere over the rainbow. We don't oh, need it. Like, we just don't need it. You're just basically reminding me of a better version of what you're presenting yeah, I guess. So then we get... Brand New Day. Right, this is the best moment of watching this whole film with Danny. Because we're watch- I'm, I've been sort of singing along to most of the songs. <laughs> and this song started, and Danny started singing along to it. Can you How do you know this song? Brand New Day. Can <laughs> how could you, you possibly know this song? Brand New Day. And I didn't course, know how I knew it. Family guy, which like literally does the exact same thing where they unzip and dance in the same like weird yellow bikinis. Yeah, one man was in a thong. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be on the on the guys. It's it's supposed to look more like a loincloth. Yeah, but like here's the thing. But who did not think about stopping the recording and saying, "Dude, pull it down, pull it down," because it's not like it was all the men. No, it was just the one. It was or his two. had ridden yeah. up. Yeah, that's reset. Maybe they let them choose beforehand whether they wanted the thong or the briefs. I know that's that bugs me. I'm sorry. If we're going to be a costume designer or something, there's got to be consistency for all. Yeah, it like unless there's broken. a good character choice. So like Staller of Rock, yeah, they've all got the same uniform. Like they've all got the same kind of colours. However, 
for our design student. Oh, the little fashionista boy. He had a bow tie instead of a tie. That's a choice. Some of them, instead of having their shirts tucked and had their shirts untouched, were looser ties because that was a character decision to mm-hmm. fit the personality. In this, where they're all like uniform people who don't, they're an ensemble. Yeah. You shouldn't be having people catch your eye like this. They exist to be one and the same. Mm-hmm. Like, that's bad decision making from the costume. Like, if, if they, you've said to them, wear whatever you want, boxes, brief, phones, wear what you want, bad costume. Yeah. I'm fully here to believe that in dancing they got ridden up. It definitely did because they're doing yeah. very high kicks. But and... you reset it then and you film it and you get it so that it is the way it should be. Yeah. It's like one and done. Cool. Dear guys, next time. There are a lot of scenes in this where I think, because especially with Brand New Day, there's a pan shot, like a flat pan shot, where they go across to the left and then they go back across to the right. But when they go, they start to move across to the left, the camera shakes, yeah. and then they move. It's like, you would maybe have filmed that again. Yeah, did, yeah. Like, did we it's run Ed out of Woods. time? Or what? Like, you know, filming something in one, that's done. That's the, that's the one, guys. Well that's done. Literally, the one. Yeah. Anyway. But, you know, the choreography is brilliant. Yeah. Like and as it has been consistently through this film. Oh, fantastic! So we go back to the Emerald City, mm-hmm. and of course the fake wizard is from Atlantic City, like fake Las Vegas. Yep, makes sense. You pointed out one of your favourite lines. Yeah. Public office is the last refuge of the incompetent, and we will let you, our listeners, kind of. Enjoy that one. I'm sure we don't need to say anything about that. Yes, but the scarecrow says it because we find out that that the wizard one ended up in Oz because he wanted to be mayor. Mayor was it mayor? Yeah. yeah. Um, and in order to spread awareness for him, he booked a hot air balloon and he was going to fly over the boardwalk and throw out all of the leaflets. Yeah. Yeah, and. Got magic to Oz. Yeah, like Elsa had another bad day. Yeah, and basically everyone thought that he was a wizard because they'd never seen whatever one was wrong. Yeah, which like admittedly that I and I love that excuse like this is how he gets away with it because like no one can fly in this world except the wicked witch. Yeah, but like, even she can't because yeah. we don't see that. Well, we don't see it in this version. So they are realizing now they had all these things are all along. This is the point at which I said, or I start to think, oh, Dorothy's the whiz. That's where this is going. Yeah, Dorothy says like, but you had a heart all along and you had your brains and you are so brave. Like, she knew that straight away. Like, Yes, but it's at this point in The Wizard of Oz that the wizard gives them a symbol yes. of that. Oh, yeah. In this, they don't need a symbol of it. Dorothy well, is telling them, you had it the whole time. Yeah, exactly. You He's just need to you know that. that. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, she is the wiz. Because it's not even like this Wizard of Oz can talk about it. He's immediately like, I don't terrified. know anything. I can't yeah. help you. And like terrified that he's been caught out. The other wizard was like, oh, yeah, I played up to it because like they called me wonderful. Yeah. And like, here, and I'll you give know you what? a token gesture. It. Yeah, exactly. This one can't. He's got the charisma of a brick. Yeah. He'd have been and an then, awful mayor. I know, right? But then he turns around to her at the end of the scene and he says, Dorothy, is there anything you can do for me? 
because she's the whiz and she yeah. says no you have to do this for yourself yeah. and she we've completed her arc she understands now yeah that you have to make your own choices in life which i don't think was in question at the beginning yeah so but like dorothy sings believe in yourself mm-hmm. and the scarecrow brings dorothy right back down to earth and says you'll never go home which i think is funny yeah like, again, she also said, the lion, you've been brave, you know, you, you got strung up by the tail, you are brave. And I was like, like, he was brave before that point, like, bring up the fact that he saved That's you. That's just the, like, most recent things yeah. you could think of. Like, why not have brought up some of the other things he's done that have been really brave? Yeah, you saved us from the scary subway dude. Yeah, and you stopped the Dalek bins from eating Michael Jackson. Yeah. There's been plenty of brave things he's done. Why not just rather, like, only just become brave? Yeah. So, yeah, the Scarecrow brings her back down to Earth, and then we get the Linda shows up, and she seems to believe, and I don't care. Like This is such a popcorn song. Like, who gives... You know, why do we need a popcorn song in the end? No, exactly. Like, Galinda's shown up, and she's like, she says, I believe in you, Dorothy. Great, okay, so why are we only just seeing you if you believe in her? Yeah. No, because we saw her at the beginning. Yeah. She creates the tornado that brings Dorothy Yeah, here. so, like... I don't care. You could sing, or just get Dorothy home. Let's end this film, please. So Dorothy then says after her song, after Glinda's song, she says, you mean I can go home by clicking my heels three times? I'm thinking you got that from that song. Mm -hmm. Like, where on earth did that come up in the song? Yeah. And they start saying goodbye, and because they met Dorothy, they have been changed for good. Excellent. Yep. A reference to a musical. I said to myself I was only going to allow myself one wicked reference and I chose that one. Is that it? Yes. Ugh. Ugh. This is the last song we get. Home. The cinematography for this is just awful. Like we've had all these really exciting, really exciting ones Mm -hmm. and we literally just get a stationary shot of Diana Ross from the shoulders up. Well, this is the thing. Of all of of all of the scenes to be like, we're going to do this the way they do it in the stage show, Have her st- having her stand in the spotlight while all of her We friends... get the Bohemian Rhapsody moments. Yeah, while all of her friends appear to say that they love her. I mean, not even all of her friends. There's people we've seen for 30 seconds showing up. And like, Some of the guys from the Emerald City like pop up. But also take precedence over like the lion and... The Tin Man, because... Wasn't it so weird? We the have... Lion and the Tin Man appear together. And then we get, like, Emerald And then City. there's, like, a couple of random people. Do you know what it is? Scarecrow. I th- Filling order. It is the order she met them. She she goes from the most recent to the furthest back. But then she doesn't show any of the Munchkins or Number Witch. And yet we do. never see Miss yeah. One again. So it's stupid. Yeah. Like, it should be, like, just random shots of people she meets. And then it ends, like, with Lion, Tin Man... Yeah. Scarecrow. And don't have them disappear. It should be all three of them. It should be like Bohemian Rhapsody with like her yeah. there and the other three there. Do you know what would be amazing for this shot? So what should happen is she should click her heels before she starts singing this song to start with. So she clicks her heels and the stage goes dark and then she starts to sing and she sings this song and as she's singing it, there's spotlights on the wizard, the scarecrow, the tin man and the lion. The one on the wizard goes off and he steps back away. Yeah. And then as the music keeps playing and as she sings and as it builds up, very, very slowly, 
the lion, the Tin Man and the Scarecrow are replaced by Auntie M and yeah. Uncle Henry and her cousin. Yeah. And then when the lights come back on, she's home. Yeah. End of movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like, cool. That should be it. But we get her just, she's back in New York City and she opens all that. Oh, worst transition but ever. Dorothy is a bad dog owner. Time number five. She's not holding Toto as she clicks her heels. Yeah, no, he's not even there. And she is holding him when she's back, but surely she should be having some kind of physical contact with Toto for it to work. Yeah. No wonder he ran away from her at the start, because she clearly doesn't... The worst dog owner ever. Ugh. End of movie. (laughs) So, this isn't the worst movie I've made you watch. Is it? Have you given it zero stars? No. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm still deciding what star rating I'm giving it because, like, talking about it, like, yeah, there's things I've enjoyed about it. There's also, I've realised there's more things I dislike about it by talking about it. So mm-hmm. let me just kind of think a little bit before we get to that point. What is your favourite song in this one? The Wiz. Yeah. He's the Wizard, yeah. I have put... <laughs> I've put Don't Nobody Bring Me No Bad News on a Brand New Day. Yeah. I love both those songs. They were yeah. great. And I will also say, I really like You Can't Win. I really yeah. like What Would I Do If I Could Feel Slide Some Oil Onto Me. I'm a Mean Old Lion. I really like those songs. Mm-hmm. Those are really, really fun. Out of interest, what's your favourite song in The Wizard of Oz? If you could name any of them. I do like If I Only Had a Brain. Do, 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 do. Yeah. I really like how about them reprises to If I Only Had a Heart and like, The Nerve, yeah. Uh-huh. I like Rothfussy, the wizard, yep. the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is a bit of a whiz, if ever a whiz there was. <laughs> I really like Ding Dong, the witch is dead, witch of witch, witch, the wicked witch. That got Weren't number you one. In... I was a munchkin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Were you a specific munchkin? No. Were you like, in the lollipop girl? No. <laughs> I was like year seven, so it was like a bit part. And like, I got bored halfway through, like, and stopped showing up. And then, like, a month before we were due to like perform, yeah. started coming back. And like, I had the. <laughs> Sorry, mum, but I had the worst munchkin uniform. Because oh, like, everyone was supposed to look like sweets. And like, because I come back into it so late in the day, yeah. I was just like, oh, mum, because parents supplied the costumes. Right. So I was like, oh, mum, I need, like, some, I need something to make me look like I'm, I'm, I'm like, from a, a land of sweets. And, like, some people have gone to the extra mile have been, like, you know, rapping like they look like quality streets and they had, like, all the... the That's rest. hilarious. <laughs> My mum. We had, like, you know the biggest bars of dairy milk you can get? Like, the one, like, the size that Ron's eating in a very Potter musical. Yeah. So, we got that. My mum chopped off the dairy milk like and stapled it to one of my school polo shirts. And I'm next to them, these really extravagant costumes with just, like, dairy milk across my oh. chest. And not my mum's fault, like, because she's always gone above and beyond for, like, costumes I've had to do. And, like, coffee dyeing things. Like, when I was Caliban, we had to get, like, a little money type person we treat like these sweets out of to be like gross and she like coffee dyed it she's always gone above and beyond mm-hmm. I said to her like two weeks before we needed to be like I need to look like a sweet like somebody had like a you know the licorice man yeah somebody had like that that's amazing and here's me next to his great costumes with like dairy milk stapled onto a pile of shit that's super funny I didn't care about Wizard of Oz like I, I was I, you know like 
I struggled with the transition into year seven. Like mm. all my friends have gone to a different school. So I tried to do something I'd enjoyed before and it was like you can't bottle lightning twice. Yeah. It wasn't fun. I had fun in year eight when we did the Weird Sisters. Cool. And then year nine we did the Canterbury Tales. Loved those, but you're what? a play person. I am a play person. And I, I can't sing, so for me it was challenging. <laughs> and yet. And yet. So. Who, I know that obviously we would not ever be cast in the production of The Wiz. So I'm going to ask you, if you were in The Wizard of Oz, who would you want to play? I like, I would probably want to be The Wizard. Because really? like I'd like to be like that cheat. Like kind mm. of like, ha But. There's always something fun about the Cowardly Lion as well. Right. His costume's always so good. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do like, a whole ragdoll bit of the Scarecrow, but I also like the, the stiff Tin Man. There's so many fun roles you could do with, with the Wizard of Oz. And, mm-hmm. you know, same with the Wiz, like, I guess, by extension. They're, those four roles are really fun. Yeah. And I think they, they kept that trend from the Wizard of Oz into this, like... Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you've got a lot to do with those. If I can only be one, give me the wizard because, like, why not? You'd be good as the wizard in Wicked, <laughs> like that version. Of they it. call me wonderful. Mm. Who would you want to be? Well, there's one female character. So there's not. <laughs> in the Wizard of Oz, you've there got... is Dorothy. Yeah. Galinda. In one scene. The Wicked Witch. You've also got Number Witch in this one. You've also got Auntie M. Good. Yay. Of all the characters. Anyway, I'd want to be the Scarecrow. I always wanted to play the Scarecrow. What's your least favourite song in this version? Home. Yeah, Home. Like, sorry, the, Diana Ross. Yeah, Home, but I think more for the cinematography. In terms of like... I just think there are better versions of this song. It, yeah. It should be a big ballad number. I should feel something. Yeah, but... Boredom's a feeling. No. I would actually say the song before it, like, Galinda's reprise of Believe in Yourself, because, like, it really doesn't matter. It's such an inconsequential song. Yeah, like, true. you cut it, it's out of the narrative. You just need Galinda to come up and be like, and you just needed all three, Dorothy. And yeah. click your heels three times, and you will go home. That's all you need. You don't need another, like, two-minute, fifteen number for Melsa. Basically. Who's your MVP? The Lion. Or, or Eveline, but if, I feel like she's, because she's only in sort of like 20 minutes of this film, I'm going to say The Lion. He is absolutely fantastic. No wonder he won Tony for this. He's an incredible actor. Yeah. And he's so, some of his choices in this film are so strange. Like he has lines where he talks in a posh British accent. Yeah. He's American. And then there's bits where he, he, He's doing like roles on his own accent. Yeah, it's just so funny. He's great. I had put the costume designer because, like, oh yeah, okay, same. Yeah, the costume designer for this is the MVP. I think I want to just I want to extend it to be like the crew of this film. Yeah, like in terms of the sets and the costumes because they are so amazing. Yes, like I. I realise that might sound like I'm saying nothing else was good. Yeah. Michael Jackson, like, 
really surprised me with how good his performance was. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect. Yeah, because you weren't looking forward to. I I, I was his thinking yeah like it was just going to be like Michael Jackson sings but doesn't do much more. Yeah. But he was fantastic. Oh yeah. I really loved the Tin Man. I really loved the Lion. Like you say, I can exactly see why Ted Ross got the Tony for mm-hmm. it. I loved the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. She was amazing. Like, yeah. and again, maybe not in as much as she could be, but she was great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I, I am going to say like for costume slash set designers mm-hmm. because they've created a very unique Oz. Yeah. But also done an amazing job with these with the costumes, like especially yeah. in a world pre CGI. Impressive. Like like you were saying, like obviously cats is what cats was. Mm-hmm. But they've all done like digital fur and everything. Yeah. To accomplish what they did here and make you feel like this is a tin man, this is a lion, this is a scarecrow in that way, like it is amazing. Like the tin man here looked better than the tin man in the Judy Garland version. Yeah. Because, like, he does look like he's all been assembled piece by piece. It's beautiful. And, yeah, I'm giving my MVP to to the costume designer, the, the set designer. Cool. I'm, I, I, so I am going to go back to what I thought before talking about it and keep it at two stars. Yeah. I was tempted by, like, one and a half or one star because, like, there are real issues with like the narrative and Dorothy's performance. However, I do think I enjoyed some bits of this. Yeah. Quite a bit. Good. But there's also a lot of things I dislike about this. I, I would say the saving grace of this film is, you know, your Tin Man, your Scarecrow, your Cowardly Lion. Yeah. And the fact that I'm looking at a world that they've done a lot of great things to make this Oz seem very unique, like unlike any other Oz I've seen before. Good. So yeah, two stars for the Wiz. Okay, I'm not really surprised by that. I think I could have guessed that, probably. Yeah. I know I come across really negative, and I must have sounded quite negative. So sorry for you listening at home, you know, thinking, oh, he hated this, and this has been negative. Like, don't get me wrong. You Diana... definitely disliked other things more than this. <sighs> But Diana Ross, it's the same as Brandy's casting. Like, you get it wrong and you get it wrong. And Diana Ross had no place in being anywhere near. Like, it would have been had Whitney Houston at pregnancy stage, Whitney Houston casting herself as Cinderella. Like, it just feels like self-indulgent. Yeah, and that's the whole reason that Whitney Houston didn't yeah, do it. Yeah, and, like, to her credit, like... she had the self-awareness to be, I'm too old for this. Yeah. Dorothy, by all means, can be ageless, but if you're going to say she's 24 have somebody that age Mm. so what is our plan for next week you said you've got something special lined up so you know how i force you to watch pride and prejudice with me all the time well once but i would watch every version of it yes we watched the version where uh charles ingram is (laughs) wooing kira knightley yeah the kid the 2005 version and at some point obviously we'll we'll have to watch the Colin Firth version. Yeah. And then at some point we'll have to watch Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. With Matt Smith, which I'd be on board with. Which is an excellent movie. I felt like the irony of seeing that film would have been lost on me because, like, I don't really know Pride and Prejudice You've that well. You've seen the 2005 one now? Yeah, no, but, like... Which is it came, what it's making fun yeah, of. Yeah, but, like, when, I'd come, when it came out, yeah. I hadn't seen oh, it, so enough. the irony would have been lost. Yeah. 
Why well, are you telling me about Pride and Prejudice? What's that so, with anything? There is a new musical called Pride and Prejudice, and I thought maybe we should watch it. The new musical that is brand new for 2020? Yes. That's that's very cool. Which means I haven't seen it. That's why you said this is like quite unique. Yeah, so this is a bit different because this is a premiere musical. It should have opened in April, I think, and basically it's now online everywhere to watch because they couldn't have their actual premiere because of COVID. Do you think like that's enough that this might be like good enough for a Tony nomination? Well, it's a UK show. Oh, okay, so Olivier's. I believe so. It was supposed to have its UK opening in April, so I think it's a UK well, show. Well, either way, you're going to have to do some research because you don't know I much about it. I 100% am. I'm really, really excited to do the research for this. Yeah. Because I've heard one song and it sounds great. This is my fault for, like, last week telling you that I seem to get on better with, like, modern musicals. So yes. you try to get as modern as possible for something that's Absolutely new. 100% your fault. <laughs> well, it was this or Shrek the musical, and I thought this was a bit classier. Haven't you also told me that there's another newer musical that you can get online? What? Spongebob. Oh, yeah, we can also do Spongebob at some point. I, yeah, okay, well. I just think this is a nice, romantic, classy musical that we could do. I love the fact that you said that when you've not seen this musical to know if it's classy. No, but I know it's Pride and Prejudice, so anything else doesn't really matter. Okay, well, I guess that'll be fun. We're going to go back in time a little bit to Jane Austen's England. Yes. It'll be interesting to see if this is like and Juliet, where do we go back to Jane Austen writing it? Because you were telling me that's a feature where like Shakespeare and Anne Hathaway are talking about the characters. Yeah, I haven't seen Anne Juliet, but from what I know of it, it also includes Shakespeare and Anne Hathaway. But that would be very interesting if we get like some Jane Austen kind of FaceTime. Doubt it. There is enough going on in Pride and Prejudice. However, saying that, I haven't done any research yet, so let's find out. Yeah, and we will be watching a brand new musical next week yeah really excited by that that feels like kind of world premiere levels yeah it's cool isn't it on our quaint little podcast yeah you already know that you're drawing me as mr darcy don't you no (gasps) well mr darcy isn't my favorite we'll talk about this next week but like why would you want to date mr darcy he's he's emotionally completely useless it's bingley that you've got to go for well next week we shall be covering Pride and Prejudice, a new musical. Yes, indeed. It's called. Until then, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at It's a Musical Pod. And you can email us on It's a Musical Pod at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. Have you seen The Wiz? Was it a whale of a time or did you view it as a whiz steak? A whiz steak? Yeah. Okay. And I mistake, but the, the W is like there, replacing the M. Sure. Yeah. Um, thank you for sticking with us if you are still with us after one of our negative Danny experiences. Yeah. I'll be honest though, like, I don't think that's happened as many times on this podcast as I worried it might have when we first thought about it. Like, mm-hmm. most of them are winners. Yeah. 
if this is one of the ones that you loved growing up and you watch it and you still love it, let me know. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong. But join us next week as we we fall in love with Mr. Darcy all over again. Or in my case, the second time. <laughs> Have a magical, musical Monday. <laughs>